Kia ora and welcome to RNZ's Insight Program. I'm Philippa Tolley. This week, Taranaki and tensions in the community. Taranaki's colonial past has left a long legacy of grievance. The first shots of the New Zealand wars were fired in Waitara in 1860. Vast tracts of Māori land were confiscated and non-violent resistance was crushed at Parihaka in 1881. As treaty settlements progress, tensions over the region's history appear to persist, with most recently a local councillor causing an outcry by suggesting te reo Māori is a dead language and funding for it to be axed. But in this regard, is Taranaki different to any other part of the country? At a rain-soaked protest at an inner-city park, Moi Wai Terry is driving a symbolic survey peg into the ground next to a statue of Frederick Alonzo Carrington, sometimes referred to as the father of New Plymouth. The chief surveyor for the Plymouth Company, in 1841, Carrington was responsible for laying out its new settlement in New Zealand, New Plymouth. Written on the peg taking the blows from the mallet are the words, Return to Sender. I'm Robin Martin. And this insight explores whether Taranaki's chequered past explains apparent tensions between Māori and Pākehā today and how that relationship is evolving. Scattered beside Carrington's bronze likeness are other pegs etched with the names of Taranaki iwi and hapu which bore the brunt of the Rōpātu or land confiscations. They represent um, the time in 1860 when... This man, his brother, or what's his? Brother. Yeah, his brother back there and was surveying the land and pick a pick a block. And Tarangi Take sent the woman from pick a pick a block from Tiatiawa to chase them off. Um, however, today they have that land, I suppose. But that's what these represent um, those pigs that surveyed this land to break it up, to get us off it, and for them to. Um, do what they want with it, to sell it uh, for their own gain, not for ours, not for the people who truly own that land. Following the Taranaki land wars, 485,000 hectares or 1.2 million acres of land was confiscated from Māori. Moiwai Terry and the Taranaki Māori Women's Network were driving that point home, literally, ahead of a Māori Affairs Select Committee hearing at Owai Marae in Waitara earlier this year. The committee was hearing submissions on the Waitara Lands Bill, a private bill sponsored by the New Plymouth District Council. It aims to resolve long-standing issues surrounding the Waitara leasehold and endowment lands, the last remnants of former Tiatiaawa land not in private ownership. Just days earlier, a city councillor, Murray Chong, added to the volatile mix with a post shared with his 1,400 Facebook friends. In it, he described Te Reo Māori as a language surviving on a respirator and questioned whether funding for it should be axed. The post took on a life of its own and Mr Chong was required to apologise to those who had taken offence. For more Waiteri, a Te Reo teacher or kaiako, the councillor's post and the land confiscations of the 1860s she is protesting about are all part of one continuum. Yeah. starts from all of this, what we're doing here today. And they have real no knowledge of the past and what happened here. And so 
I think they're just talking from greed. While the confiscations and conflict of the past are still causing pain for Taranaki iwi, others appear comfortable to question efforts to undo mistakes of the past. Murray Chong also has a long history in the region. He is a descendant of Chao Tsung, better known as Chu Chong, a fungus trader who revolutionised the Taranaki butter industry in the late 1880s through the introduction of refrigeration. Murray Chong campaigned in the local elections with the slogan, I tell it how I see it. But this is not the first time in recent history the council has been the focus of community debate about ensuring local iwi are supported and have a proper say in the future of Taranaki. The former New Plymouth Mayor Andrew Judd was vilified for his support of a Māori ward and did not seek re-election last year. Under Mr Judd's leadership, the council supported a Māori ward, but the plan was thrown out following a citizens-initiated referendum which rejected the idea by an overwhelming majority. Mr Judd says he was spat at and shunned after calling for better Māori representation. So is there a wider divide in this region than elsewhere? Insight wanted to speak to Mr Chong about why he felt comfortable to make the sort of comments that have brought him national attention. But he declined to be interviewed, saying his social media posts spoke for themselves and he stood by them. But with an offer of anonymity, it's not hard to find support for similar views, even on the streets of Waitara. If they were downtrodden, if they weren't educated, if they didn't have the same rights to a job as we did, yes, but they have every right that we have, and then some. I mean, there used to be a school called something or another Maori Boys College. You try having a white boys college, you know, it just doesn't work. That's what I mean by reverse racism. You don't think the, the, the history gives some justification for that? I don't. I don't. Māori have always been welcome at schools. They, have, they can have any job that they want. Um, they have to compete, same as anybody else. Well, everyone competes for jobs and places in university and stuff like that, but they have the same rights as anybody else. And harking back to the ongoing effects of the land wars finds little favour too. Why go back 150 years and say, oh, your ancestors took our land off us? You know, that was 150 years ago. It was probably sold for guns or blankets or something like that. And that's what it was worth in those days. You know, it wasn't actually stolen. It was probably bought. Some was bought. Some was Yeah, OK. The government still confiscates land. They confiscated half my block for a, to put a, a levy up, a stop bank. So they took my land... What am I going to do about it? Cry for the next 150 years? Oh, well, in 150 no. years' time, then your ancestors can put in a complaint. <laughs> Julie Nata is in Waitara on a shopping trip from Urunui. The councillor has lost her confidence. That's how they kill the culture. Mm. Mm. You lose the language, uh, the way of communicating changes. Yeah. It's unique to us, and that's why it's, it's sad that we don't, um, that it's not embraced. My uh, sister and her husband, uh, I've got four nieces, they speak Māori, it's their first language in their home. Yeah, not for me. I feel quite jealous, actually. <laughs> I feel cheated. <laughs> 67-year-old Rangi Kupu is taking a break on the bench outside the social welfare office. 
For him, the loss of Tereo is personal. We went to that to speak Māori in our, in our days, uh, back in the 60s, 50s, 60s up. Uh, and yet our parents, because they were fluent in it, and they wouldn't speak in front of us. English was the, only, was the, was the thing, because maybe they wanted us to go the other way. So, you know. Yeah, now I regret it. I regret it now. Because I want to I want to learn my own Tereo. I reckon that's why I reckon there's a lot of failure in our Maori people. There's a lot of them can't speak their own language. Despite Mr Korpu's pain at the loss of his mother tongue, he reckons life in Waitara is good. We just want a big family, it doesn't matter, you know. We get on with the parking and everything here. We were brothers and sisters, more like aunties. And that's how we treat one another, you know. Yeah, that's, that's what this place is like anyway. I don't know about anywhere else, you know. I'm not a political man. <laughs> I just go with the flow. Emotions at the Owai Marae were raw, but community workers Glenn Bennett and Kitarangi Cameron broke the tension when they made their submission in rap. We'd like to take the allocated five minutes now to listen to us, some use for this town. Peace for Pika Pika is the name of the rap, because we don't want another colonial slap. In 2014, Te Atiawa rejected an offer to buy the Waitara lands with $23 million of its $70 million treaty settlement. And the Waitara Lands Bill is the latest proposed fix. If passed, it would allow the freeholding of 780 leasehold properties while returning about 60 hectares of reserved land to Te Atiawa. Another 16 hectares would be made available for development and more than $60 million from lease sales would be pumped into Waitara through a new entity made up of iwi and council appointees. However, the iwi, which initially supported the broad principles of the bill, has withdrawn support for the legislation. Peter Moyahu was part of Te Atiawa's treaty settlement negotiating team. This Waitara lands bill is morally corrupt, gives the fingers to justice and spits in the face of tangata whenua, as do the promoters of this bill. They give us the fingers and spit in our face. Page 19 of Council's Supplementary Submission 3 says Te Atiawa negotiators declined the uptake of the lands in their treaty settlement. No, we didn't. We declined to pay a $23 million ransom for the return of property that was stolen from us. We may be indigenous, but we're not stupid. Try offering our land to us at no cost and see if we decline. Mr Moyahu's family marae was built in recognition of the Rōpatu, or land confiscations. These are the names of the iwi of Taranaki, and they are there, our gateway to this marae, because each of those iwi suffered the same as each other. They had their lands confiscated, they had their lands invaded, and this marae is vested in all of those iwi. It's the only marae in the region or in the district that is vested in all the tribes of Taranaki. And it's vested that way because the name of the marae, Mururopatu, refers to the confiscation of our lands, and that's why we all suffered the same under that regime. 
Mr Moyahu, whose son Dinny reposted Mr Chong's Facebook comment to share it with a wider audience, says such views arise out of ignorance. The New Zealand Bill of Rights has outlawed racism, has outlawed discrimination. So theoretically, there shouldn't be any racism in this country. Is there ignorance which leads to racist attitudes? Absolutely there is. And that ignorance has has sprung from a determined government policy to ensure that the history of this country was not taught as it should have been, was not taught accurately. When I went to school, I was taught, and so were all my peers, that Māori were murderers and and, uh, killers and all of that kind of thing whenever they won a battle. But when the settlers or the military won a battle, they were great victors and so on. And here was another example which I just really couldn't get my head around and still can't. When I went to school, I was told James Cook discovered New Zealand. And yet I knew my people were standing on the shore when he sailed past, waving out, G'day, mate. You know? But I was taught at school that, oh, no, he discovered New Zealand. So that, to me, was a racist attitude which permeated down through the, the decades, then the generations, and it has become ingrained in New Zealand society, particularly Taranaki society. The former treaty settlement negotiator says that's not a surprise to him. One of the reasons for that is because those who benefited from that racism now hold the vast uh, majority of the land here. And of course, if you have raised your children to be upright citizens, there's no way you want your children to learn that God, their, their, their grandfather, was a, was a thief and a murderer. So you don't teach that part. You know, that they stole other people's property rights. Other citizens of this nation, because that's what Māori are, they are citizens of this nation who had their civil rights breached, and their civil rights trampled. Local councillor Lynn Holdham submitted on behalf of the New Zealand Association of Psychotherapists at the Owai hearings. She says Pākehā have to accept the wrongs of the past. Our settlement here was founded on an original sin. We were welcomed here with hospitality. There was enough to share. We were given shelter here. And we have dishonoured that hospitality. And we have dishonoured our original promise. As psychotherapists, we know that the promises made at the beginning of a relationship are sacred. Marriage vows are sacred. And the treaty, is a, it has a spiritual significance. It has mental health significance. It is not a business agreement. It is a a promise to be in sacred relationship with each other and to honour our word. Ms Holdham says Pākehā have to do this for the sake of their own mental health. When we are ashamed of something, when we feel guilty about something, we defend ourselves. We defend ourselves by projecting our rubbish into somebody else and saying, you stink, not me. 
Or we defend ourselves by going all dreamy and fay and, no, I can't remember anything. That that didn't happen. No, no, that, that's not the, the case. Or we defend ourselves by becoming angry and nasty and racist. So I'm saying that for the health of the Pākehā of this town, of, this, of, of New Zealand, we need to stand firmly in what has happened. We need to say sorry and we need to make reparation. Speaking later at her inner city rooms, Ms Hordam explains that people also need to be able to express their views and for them to be discussed openly, not shut down in the interests of political correctness. I think that the more people talk about what they think and talk about what they think with each other, but particularly talk about what they think with people who are really different from themselves, then the more open we are to changing those ideas. But is anything changing in Taranaki? Vivian Hutchinson helped organise Dame Fina Cooper's 1975 land march, a hikoi that drew attention to the depth of feeling over the loss of Māori land. Today he runs classes which encourage people to be better citizens and more involved in the community. Mr Hutchinson says a major failing of the settlement process is that it hasn't culturally engaged Pākehā. Māori people have, been, have got extremely well organised around the treaty settlements down history research, all sorts of stuff that they've, been, that they've put on the table. There hasn't been an equal cultural movement, in fact, um, oh, on the Pākehā side. In fact, uh, it's been um, subcontracted to this device we call the Crown. And Crown, you know, they're all politicians, and largely Pākehā, um, who have managed all this on our behalf. And the unspoken contract that goes into this um, arrangement is don't disrupt the amnesia. Don't disrupt the intentional and organised forgetting of, um, of our history that is a huge part of our um, uh, Pākehā culture. Given that, though, he says this situation is at odds with how Kiwis like to see themselves. I would say that that organised forgetting is at war with another part of, a good part, I think, of the general Pākehā culture, which is... We generally believe that there should be a fair go, but actually we haven't lived in a way which is which is delivered a fair go for some of our closest neighbours, particularly the Maori people of this province. But Mr Hutchinson says the problem isn't particular to Taranaki. We don't have a, a problem that is any different to anywhere else in the country, and this country has a problem, and it is, has a fundamental problem with, uh, with its own Indigenous people. And I think we've come a long way on that journey compared to, you know, to Australia or to other, other sorts of um, places, but we've still got a long way to go. And um, I'm up for that journey. It's constituted a good deal of my working life. So is, is Taranaki particularly racist? I would, I would say actually Taranaki has succeeded in having a lot more attention on some of its specific issues lately because of um, the works of certain journalists and, and the actions of others. In the face of that, I think we've had some leaders that have done some particularly good things. After leaving the council, former Mayor Andrew Judd went on to lead a peace hikoi to Parihaka last year, designed to start a conversation about better relations between Māori and Pākehā. Enjoying a lunch break at a WOMAD music festival event at the Pukiariki Landing, he agrees issues between Pākehā and Māori are not particular to Taranaki. 
my experience and having been the Mayor of Taranaki New Plymouth District, what I discovered from myself and, and within others is our lack of any knowledge of our past. And by lack of knowledge, I mean complete lack of knowledge, uh, particularly from my perspective as a Pākehā. Have we got it worse than anyone else in New Zealand? No, I just think it's rawer here at the moment. Uh, we've been going through some settlement processes with local iwi, and the, the, obviously the, the, what I went through in trying to establish Māori Ward has brought a lot of this ignorance to the surface. Because um, a lot of the pushback that I personally received wasn't just from here in Tadalaki, it was around the whole country. Mr Judd says Pākehā have to embrace the past to move forward. From my perspective, Pākehā are not only the problem, we are also the solution. And by that I mean we haven't taken any mainstream conscious understanding of what was done from our culture to another. Uh, that's why it's easy to say move on, it's the past, forget it. Well, we don't have anything to move on from or forget. And when you say get over it, can you actually explain the it? Have you experienced what the so-called it is? And I dare say the main culture has no idea what that it means. We see that through the pika-pika playing out where trying to find peace and settlement is, is, is so complicated because that pain is real and that's what we're seeing. So ultimately what kind of country are we? Do we care for our minority culture? Or are we so scared to have that conversation we completely ignore it? I contend we've ignored it since we arrived. And echoing the need for open discussion is New Zealand's Indigenous Rights Commissioner, Karen Johansson. She says it's good that people are talking about these challenges. I don't think this sort of debate challenge belongs to Taranaki particularly. I think we have these uh, challenges from east to west and north to south in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And I can think of numbers of examples of this. And, and what I like is, in fact, we are we do seem to be able to talk about it, sometimes in a more heated way than, than not, but we seem to be able to talk about it, and that has to be a good thing. Mr Johansson believes education is the key to better understanding. I'm an educator, um, and for me, it always comes back to education, um, to learning about who we are, and to use that that fundamental human right of being respectful towards other people, so giving people the time to tell their stories and for us to tell our stories uh, and to grow understanding and appreciation uh, in that way. There should be more partnership between local iwi and local schools because there's plenty of room inside the curriculum, the New Zealand curriculum, to tell the stories in a much more balanced way than we learned a generation ago two generations ago, further back. And the young people are asking for that and expecting that. I'll do it once and then you follow after me, okay? One place where that transformational work is going on is at Tawananga o Aotearoa. Dennis Nafari is the manager at the Rangiatia campus in New Plymouth. There is a huge interest in our courses, especially our language courses. Maybe 250 students this year who are studying our language courses, Te Reo Māori, uh, from beginners through to more advanced levels. So we have five different courses, different levels, and they're all full. Now, our beginners courses has a huge waiting list of nearly 50 people. And, and there's a, a, a real interest in, in the Māori language, in Māori culture. Mr Nafri says about 80% of the students are non-Māori, and are looking to better understand Māori points of view. Well, learning te reo Māori, you don't just learn the language, you also learn tikanga, or protocols and ceremonies. You learn history, 
even uh, our wyat, our songs, is uh, our knowledge. There's a huge range of things that you learn about Maori culture once you start learning the language. The language is that the gateway into it, and it's uh, a gateway into a Maori worldview, and uh, specifically Taranaki worldview. And it's not as if we want to brainwash anyone. I want to take people in and, and moldify them. It's about sharing our love of our language, of our culture and our history, so that these people will then understand where we're coming from, why we hold the views that we do. Learning about Maori culture is high on the agenda of students at Tawananga o Aotearoa. If you want to integrate, I think it's a good way to do it. Um, it's no point getting together with other Pakia people and just speaking English. I've taken an opportunity to learn Maori, which is probably the national language in New Zealand, and uh, it lets me understand their culture. Actually quite sad, especially if you've done a little bit of travel and we're probably one of the few countries in the world that don't speak our own native language. Yeah, to be able to empathise, because I, obviously you can't empathise unless you know the language. It's pretty much the way I see it, yeah. It opens your eyes to every facet of Māori culture, I think. For Kayako Moi Waiteri, teaching te reo is a rewarding experience. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful thing that so many different cultures are here and they want to grasp this language and they want to know about the tangata whenua of this land. So to share that with the world, it's a big deal. <laughs> That's a very big deal. You know, I want, I want to be able to, in years to come for our mokopuna, I want them to be able to go to France and Egypt and all those countries and hear the real. Miss Terry believes learning the language can be transformational. I think it helps Pākehā soften their hearts towards Māori. I really do. They need to soften because, and, and they need to understand and all of us so that we can all live together. The slam, Maungarongo ki te whenua, is about peace on the land and the extension of that is that we can all live on the land together in peace and in harmony and enjoy each other's differences and that's not happening. You know, Ketepai, that's the way it is. Um, you know, kote mea nui, kote aroha. Most important thing for all people is no matter what's happened, we have to live in harmony and peace and share because what happened in the past cannot happen in the future. Peter Moyahu also believes the future for Māori Pākehā relations is bright and attitudes are mellowing. I look at the next generation and I see remarkable improvement. See, I think that this nation has a, has a great deal to teach the world. We have gone through some trying times, but we have found a mechanism as a nation of resolving outstanding grievances without violence. They may not have achieved what Tangata Whenua thought we deserved, but we have compromised and we have settled those grievances. So we will move out of grievance mode. And when we do, we will contribute vastly to the economic growth of this nation. And we will show the world what you can do through peace, through harmony. The New Plymouth District Council is yet to resolve its issues around Māori representation, but it expects to make an announcement soon. The Mayor, Neil Holden, was not available to speak but he pointed to policy that says the council is committed to building strong and meaningful relationships with iwi and bringing an iwi view to the governance table, which is one of its top ten priorities. 
The Māori Affairs Select Committee is due to report back to Parliament on the Waitara Lands Bill on April the 21st. I'm Robin Martin, and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to get in touch or share your thoughts on this programme, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at insight at radionz.co.nz or our Twitter handle is at InsightRNZ. That programme was written and presented by Robin Martin. It was produced by me, Philip Tolley, with technical production by Mark Chesterman. If you'd like to podcast other Insight programmes, head to iTunes, where you can listen, subscribe, rate, or give us a review. Or you can visit the Insight webpage at radionz.co.nz. And thanks for listening.